0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Let's read now from John chapter 6, verses 22 to 40. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you that you uh, spoke this word so long ago through Jesus on earth. We thank you that it was written down and preserved for us, that your word from then might be your word for us today. Would you take this word and sink it deep into our hearts, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives. It may change the way that we think, feel, and live today and in the days to come. Amen. All right. I said I had some things in my bag here, and I do. You know what I have in my bag? See? I have cups in my bag. It's very exciting. So I have a Styrofoam cup and I have like a strong paper cup. And then I have a Yeti mug. And now here's my question for you. Which one of these cups is the cup that you want? Now, it might not be obvious because you know, there's a difference between these cups. Like if, you, if what you want is the cheapest cup, then a Styrofoam cup, that's cheap. You get these for like a dollar, for like a hundred of them at the store, as many as you want, lots and lots of Styrofoam cups. These are a little bit nicer, it's got a lid, works. This, I mean, this is kind of expensive. You kind of got to wash it. You got to take care of it. Is this really the cup that you want? But what's the difference between these cups? This is the easy one to get. It's a little bit better. This one's solid and real. But this cup, what's gonna happen if you keep using it? Someday you're just just gonna put your finger through it. It's gonna break. This cup's gonna wear out too. But this one, the Yeti, this is going to last. There is nothing that is gonna break this thing. And it's gonna keep your drinks hot too, or cold. You can put ice in this thing and it's gonna still be ice like 12 hours later. You put coffee in this thing. I know kids, you probably don't want coffee, but you can put hot chocolate in it and it's still gonna be hot like eight hours later. I put coffee in this in the morning and I drink it in the afternoon, it's still warm. This is the cup that will last. And what Jesus is telling the people here when they go looking for him, he's like, guys, you're coming looking for me. You think you're just, you know, you're asking what seems to us to be a reasonable question. But he says, I know you are looking in all the wrong places. You are looking for food, and that food that you're looking for, you want me to give you some more bread. This comes after Jesus had fed them with five loaves. That was the miracle that we talked about two weeks ago. He took five loaves of bread and handed it out to 5,000 people. But he said, you know, that bread, that bread, it's like the styrofoam cup. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. Don't work for the food. Uh, where did you?" Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. It's not always as obvious. It's a little bit more expensive. But it's worth it to try to seek the food that is eternal life, the food that will last. But we are so tempted to just go for the cheap and easy. Of course, we're not really talking about cups, but think about all the ways in our lives that we're tempted to go for the cheap and the easy. the shortcut. The shortcut in your schoolwork, the shortcut in your jobs, the shortcut in your relationships, the shortcut in your investments. Where can I get a quick buck? What's going to be the easiest way to make money? What can I get away with? If I've hurt somebody and done something wrong, how quickly can I just say my apology and move on without doing the hard work of repentance and trying to restore the relationship? What what are the things that I need to do to get to, to get right with God to make God not be mad at me what can i do what's the easy thing to do in fact that's what the, the the crowd here asks him jesus says do not work for this verse 27 do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures the eternal life and they're like okay all right we'll go with it verse 28 says then they said to him what must we do to be doing the works of god what is the thing to do and this is a great line this is a great response that jesus answered them jesus answered them this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent this is the work of god see what jesus is telling us here is that we are looking for all the wrong things we are looking for something tangible and physical that we can do can we get all our ducks in a row to make ourselves right with god to get what we want in this world. And Jesus says at the same time that the work that you need to do is so much deeper and realer and harder than that. And yet at the same time, the work is so much simpler. The work of God is simply to believe. What's the main thing that God is telling us to do this morning? He's telling us to believe in Jesus. And he says that's the work. That's the work. So for all of you who are sitting thinking about your to-do lists and all the things you have to do and all the things that you would do if you just had time, all the things you have wanted to do and haven't gotten started with, the projects that are undone, the tasks that you haven't quite gotten to, the people that you would like to talk to, the relationships you would like to build, all these things that you're wanting to do, and you're like, ah, someday I'll get started. Someday I'm going to get this right. And Jesus is saying No. You're looking in the wrong place. All those things are ultimately going to be food that does not endure. The real work, the real food that lasts, comes from believing in Jesus. But how can that be? How can it be that the main thing we must do is to believe in Jesus? And the reason that this works, because it comes from the main thing that this tells us about God. The main thing that we must do is to believe in Jesus, to believe in the one he was sent. The main thing that, tells us, that this tells us about God, we got to look at the end. Verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. The main thing this tells us about God is that Jesus will not lose his own. Jesus has got this. What Jesus is saying to all of us is he's saying to the people here, and he's saying to all of us, and look, you're looking for all this stuff. You want all this stuff. The food that endures, the work that you need to do, believe in me. Why? Because I got this. Jesus has got this. From beginning to end, Jesus is saying he has got this. He will not lose his own. All that come to him are his own. He is gathering them in and he will not lose them. That is what we can hang our hat on. That is where we can find something solid that will last, something that will keep us warm. Eight hours later, it will still be there for us. Not just eight hours later, but eight days later, eight years later, 80 years later, 800 years later, if we're doing the work of believing in Jesus. That is the work that we need to be about. So how, what can we see here that can help us to that, to help us really believe that this is true of what Jesus is saying? Jesus gives us three things here about himself, three things to support that he will not lose his own, that he's got this, that he's got it all. The first is that Jesus is the answer. The second is that Jesus is the giver. And the third is, is that Jesus is the security. Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the giver, and Jesus is the security. First, Jesus is the answer. Now some of, you, some of you may know, most of you I think know, that before I came here to Virginia Beach, I was a children's guy. I worked at a church in Atlanta. I was the pastor of family ministry. I spent a lot of time teaching children. I still spend a lot of time teaching children. And there's a joke among children's people that the answer, that Jesus is always the answer. Ask a group of kids in like a Sunday school class, ask them anything, you know, ask them, what did God give Moses on 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 the mountain? What did God give to Moses? Jesus, it's always gonna be Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer. But here's the thing, the kids are right. The kids are right. Jesus always is the answer. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to the people here. They're coming with all their questions, like, how did you get here? A reasonable question, it seems to them. When did you come here? Uh, what must we be doing to be the works of God? What is the sign that you will do? What work do you for? And every time, Jesus is like, hey, I'm the answer. Jesus is the answer. The answer is found in him. He really is the answer to everything, he says, I am here, you don't need to worry about how I got here. I'm here now, let's talk about what's important. And what's important is that you put your faith in me. What's important is that you feed on me. What's important is that you listen to me. This is what Jesus is saying, that we find everything we want. We find our work, we find our hope, we find our filling of food and drink, we find it all in the person of Jesus says, the great beauty and glory of Christianity is that it is not a set of rules. It is not a set of principles. It is a person, the person of Jesus. Jesus really is the answer. So what does that mean for us practically? What does it mean to believe in him knowing that Jesus is the answer? First, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, that's the starting point. The starting point is say, Jesus, I believe this. I believe you came. I believe you love me. I believe you have chosen me. I believe you died for my sins. I want, to be in, I want you to be in my life. I want to be in your life. I want to follow you. And then as we go out through, as we, as we, for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who are seeking to follow him, who have some sense that we know that Jesus is the answer, what does that mean day in, day out? I mean, sometimes we're not going to get answers to all our questions. Our questions about why is this happening? Why this suffering? Why this hardship? Why are things not going the way that I want them to go? Why couldn't I get that job? Why couldn't I keep a relationship with that person? Why can't I have more money? Why is this all so hard? We're not always going to get answers. Because the only answer that we consistently get is the answer of Jesus, that Jesus is the answer. He says, I'm here, it's all I got for you. I know you want want and need all these things, but I am the bread. I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And so if you can feed on me and trust in me, that will be enough. And we just have to take that and say, yes, Jesus, you are enough. Jesus is the answer. The second thing that's fascinating here is that Jesus is the giver. Jesus is the ultimate self-giver. I said this passage gives us insight into the inner nature of God. What we call the Trinity that has been worked out in Christian theology over the first couple centuries of the church by, Jesus, by the apostles and the early Christians. They, listened, they looked at these words of Jesus, they listened to him, like, man, there is something here that we don't fully understand. And what they've come to understand in reading this is that there is this such an intense unity of Jesus and the Father that He goes over and over again that they came to realize that Jesus and the Father are one being, that there is only one God. And Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are all one God, yet in three persons. It's a mystery that we cannot understand. But what's even more fast, so we can say that, we say it in the creed, we say it in that simple statement, one God in three persons, eternally existent, in power and glory, co-equal, all these kinds of things. We say and we confess these things. But what's fascinating to me here is the relationship that we see between them. That Jesus, despite being fully God, takes no credit and glory for himself. You see what he said in verse 38? For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, just think about that for a minute. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And you should hear this Jesus making this separation, my will versus the will of one who sent me. You're like, uh, Jesus, aren't you God? Like, Didn't you decide to come? Like, isn't that fundamental to being one God is that you chose to come? And the answer is yes. Of course he decided to come. And yet Jesus here gives the credit away. He gives the credit away to the Father. He gives the credit away to the Spirit. The Father gives to the Son. The Father gives to the Spirit. The Spirit gives to the Son. The Spirit gives to the Father. The nature of God himself that we see demonstrated for us in Jesus is that he is the ultimate self-giver. Even within the Godhead itself, the members of the Trinity, they give to one another. They give away the credit, they give away the glory. They give away the the explanation of the will. I mean, is that not a person that you would want on your side? The ultimate self-giver. That Jesus does not come saying. He he comes with words of truth. He comes with words of challenge. Like, hey, you're looking for food. You just want food. Don't look for food. Look for real heavenly food. He always comes with full truth, but he never comes with condemnation. He never comes saying, come on, come on now. Just come on, come come and catch up with me. Instead, he says, I am giving. I am coming to you. I have come to get you. Because the Father, what Jesus is giving the credit to the Father, what is the Father giving? The Father is giving people to Jesus. They're giving to each other. Jesus says, I've got you. I have come to give and to get you. He's the ultimate giver, the ultimate self-sacrifice. How is it that Jesus can say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst that he can fundamentally say that because he would go on to give his life on the cross. That's what he's talking about. And when you feed on him, when you take his sacrifice into yourself, as we will at this table in a few minutes, you will never hunger ultimately because your deepest need has been filled. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been given eternal life with God. You've taken the very self-giving life of God himself into you as Jesus the self-giver has brought you into the relationship amongst God himself. Can you grasp that? Can you explain it? No. Can I explain it? Not at all. I'm just up here talking. But I hope this morning you can catch a glimpse of the beauty and the glory of what it means that God himself came down in ultimate self-giving love. That God himself would come down and take on flesh and sacrifice himself for you. Why? Because that's who he is. Not out of obligation, not out of frustration, not out of disappointment or anger, because he loves you. Because he loves you and he gave himself for you. Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the giver, and finally, Jesus is the security. The great hope that we have here, that the only work that we have to do is to believe in Jesus, is the promise of security at the end here. Verse 39, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is the security. Verse 37, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Why are you here this morning? You're here because Jesus has called you to himself. Whether you have fully responded to him in your heart, whether you would say that you're a Christian, whether you would say that you have put your faith in him, you are not here by accident. You are here because God has brought you here. Because God has said, Jesus, this one is yours. This one is yours. You go, get them. Go down to earth, get them, bring them back. Bring them into our family. Make them a part of your people, of of our people. That is what the Father said to Jesus. And Jesus says, it always works. I got this. God has put his mark on you. He is calling you to himself. What do we do? We respond to him. We believe in him. And as we grasp the wonder of who Jesus is, as we take the bread of life into ourselves, that our ultimate hunger and thirst are satisfied and quenched, then what can happen? What happens when you know you have security? When you know that you are secure, you can do anything. When you have a safe house to come out home to, you can go out and work hard and take chances. When you have plenty of money in the bank, you can make investments. And if your temporary investments don't seem to pay off right away, you've got money in the bank. Right? We know these things. We know that having safety and security is critical. It's the fundamental human need. And when people don't have that, they go crazy trying to find it. And they do make all kinds of bad decisions and get into all kinds of trouble. But when those things are secure, you can do anything. So, knowing that Jesus has secured you in his love and in the promises and agreements of self giving love within God and within the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit themselves, you can do anything. You can believe in Jesus and you can go out and you can do the work. You can do the work of love. You can do the work of risk. You can do the work of self sacrificial giving of yourself. Say, I can give and give and give of my time of my emotional energy, of my finances. I can give all these things because Jesus has got me. Jesus has got me and nothing can take me away. I can take risks in love, in speech because I know that my sins are forgiven and Jesus has got me and Jesus has got all the other people to whom I'm speaking as well. He's got it, it's good news, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that Jesus gave us when he came down. We thank you that he, is always, that he, is, he has secured this, that Jesus has got this. Lord, would you teach us more and more who you are? Give us a greater and greater view of your character and glory, that we may fall more in love with you each day and rest in your presence and the assurance of your grace, that we may go out and advance your kingdom in all the ways that you put before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.